Coming up next on Nickelodeon, it's Clarissa Explains It All. Hello, and welcome back to week two of our Snick Timber at the Black Case Diaries. Hey. We're three old friends learning everything we can about movies and TV and hopefully teaching others in the process. I'm Marcy here with Robin and Adam. In the spring of 1991, even before SNCC existed, Nickelodeon premiered its first live-action show with a female lead. It starred a fairly unknown Melissa Joan Hart and became a massive cable success, paving the way for many shows like it to follow. Clarissa Explains It All followed the lives of the Darling family, told from the perspective of a young teenager, Clarissa. Tackling subjects like crushes, grades, and annoying siblings, the series struck a chord with young viewers and their families, and would go on to headline the SNCC lineup. So if you're wondering how this show came to be, don't worry, we're here to explain it all for you. Yep. (laughs) I want to say, real quick, I love that it's called the Darling Family. (laughs) Aren't they just darlings? (laughs) Yeah. All right, so we're going to talk a little bit about its history. This show was created by Mitchell Kregman. Clarissa Explains It All was a multi-camera sitcom filmed in Nickelodeon Studios. Every episode, Clarissa addresses the camera in a very honest and charismatic way, catching us up on her current life issues. In TV, this is often known as breaking the fourth wall, but Kregman didn't see it this way. In an interview with Vulture, he said that he doesn't feel like there really is a fourth wall in TV. And Clarissa wasn't talking to a camera, she was talking to us. We were meant to feel as if we were in the room with her, like a friend and not an audience. Kregman had a major hand in 90s Nickelodeon, having worked on Doug, Ren and Stimpy, and Rocco's Modern Life. He also created the 2000s, Nick Jr. TV show, Bear in the Big Blue House. Oh, Do you remember that one? Dude, that is a killer lineup. Mm -hmm. Breaking the fourth wall, if they had done, like, when when her friend always comes into the room. Yeah. If she had then addressed the camera and he's like, who are you talking to? Mm -hmm. That would have been a fourth Mm -hmm. wall break. But I think he's right. I think this is just enough where it's like, it's just a conversation. Mm-hmm. They did it on uh, like a show, another show like Ned's Declassified, kind of talks right. to the camera yeah. in that way too. So yeah, it's like you're always there, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it the fourth wall can't be broken if the fourth wall doesn't exist. Right. When he pitched Clarissa to the network, he had been a writer for SNL and helped develop two shows on the comedy network. He got the idea for this new sitcom from the other shows he had helped produce, but no one seemed interested in it at the Comedy Network. So he brought the idea to Nickelodeon. Hell yeah. It's a it's hey. an interesting like transition like from this Comedy Network that does a lot of more mainstream adult stuff mm-hmm. and then like hmm, Nickelodeon's okay. the next one, I think. <laughs> at the time, Geraldine Laburn was the head of Nickelodeon and was working to lead the network into its golden era. She was a bit of an iconoclast herself and wanted to try things that adults were telling her wouldn't work with kids. She also was interested in building a network that appealed to kids more than toy companies or parents. So at this time, 
Disney wasn't the Disney that we know. It was Lassie and oh. Benji. It was what parents wanted their kids to watch. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it wasn't really geared for kids. Yeah. And so this is when Nickelodeon was attempting to do the anti-Disney. She'd been with Nickelodeon since it started. Mm-hmm. And they'd had some failed shows that they'd tried to do. And so at this point, I think she said that... <laughs> Basically, the philosophy that she had come up with was if adults tell you this won't work for kids, kids won't like this, then maybe you should give it a shot. Oh, man. Very good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Talking about that golden era. <laughs> yeah. Man. Oh, yeah. Ugh. <sighs> so when Craigman pitched the show, she gave it a chance. There was only one sitcom on Nickelodeon at the time, Hey Dude, but this new show would have a completely different style. Laburn also gave Kregman access to the studies that she was looking at as a guide to creating the show. And that was when he decided that his lead needed to be female. What a great choice. Yeah, yes. it's smart. Perfect. Kregman said, For a variety of reasons, I decided that a girl would be better than a guy. I felt they wouldn't let a guy be smart enough, sensitive enough, and different enough. I've had a lot of real experience with programmers having problems with boys being articulate, still to this day. Clarissa was a kid's story more than a girl's story, and that orientation was really effective with their audience. That is mm-hmm. absolutely right. Yeah. I think if a male character in a kid's show is written to be articulate and like well-spoken, he's a nerd. Totally. Yeah, yeah. At the time, TV networks seemed to struggle with creating realistic teen girl characters. Many teen girl characters at the time were unrealistic or just not relatable. Of course, there were exceptions, but it seemed to be an issue across the board. Craigman's goal was to create a character that personified Nickelodeon and what the channel stood for. He read teen magazines and consulted his wife, who was an editor at Seventeen Magazine, for help with portraying a modern teen girl. Smart move. Yeah. Man, if you have that at your disposal, like, heck yeah. Yeah. I loved the image of him, like, flipping through these teen magazines (laughs) to figure out, you know. I I thought that was pretty pretty interesting. He knew it was important to have a character that young girls could look up to and identify with, but that boys would enjoy watching, too. The result was Clarissa Darling, an outspoken teen that defied labels. She wasn't exactly girly. She wasn't really a tomboy. Clarissa was a girl that enjoyed fashion and programming her own computer games. She had a best friend that was a boy, but he wasn't a boyfriend. The topics of the show were things that were universal to kids, not something that would appeal to either gender specifically. It, it struck a really, really nice balance with all that. It's pretty impressive, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think one of the things that really illustrates it was when they were doing the set design for the show. And the designer apparently really wanted to be a girly bedroom mm, right so pink and yeah soft things. and so he said you know what okay sure you know go ahead and do that so the designer came in made a really girly bedroom and then he came in with you know black car paint and painted the checkers on the wall in the back you know <laughs> and made it look really edgy and kind of punkish and i, I love that illustration because it is perfect for that character. Mm-hmm. You think this is a young girl and, you know, with parents who put the room together for her because mm-hmm. that's how every child's room is put together. Yeah. And you could see how as a young girl, they were probably like, pink, 
frilly curtains yeah. you know this is and then the as, typical yes things. Yeah. and then as she gets older and has a personality and wants to express herself so then you see these like haphazard things done to the room to change it to make it fit her more and it mm-hmm. and it works so well with that character and it's yeah. really something that a real life teen girl would do yes yeah. as, mm-hmm. as soon oh, yeah. as they you know as soon as they have a new interest yes. put that on the wall as soon as yes. they get into this other thing you know, change the bedspread and yeah. like, oh, it has this on it now. It's like, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, all these little subtle changes that over time, now the room doesn't feel like its initial girly self yes. at all. Yeah. It's not cohesive anymore. Yeah. No. It's filled with all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And it reminds me of when I was a kid because I wanted to paint things on my wall and my mother said no. Oh. So <gasps> I watch, I see I see the yes. checkers and I'm yeah. kind of jealous even as an adult because <laughs> yeah. I wanted to do stuff like that. I, I agree. My dad never liked holes in the wall. So you pretty much had to get his permission if you wanted to hang something up. <laughs> <laughs> on March 23rd, 1991, the world met Clarissa, a bright blonde girl in mismatched clothes and black squares painted over her pink papered walls. The show opened with her introducing herself and immediately expressing that she hated her own name. That was, in part, why Mitchell Craigman chose Clarissa Darling as her name. He knew it was a name that the audience could believe that she hated, and Darling was lifted straight from Peter Pan. Oh, yeah. That's what I mean. It's just yes. like, oh, this is they, just darling. <laughs> is it she a darling, your oh daughter? It's like, oh, God. It makes perfect sense then that she would have a Peter that comes to her window all the time. Yep. Her Whoa. friend. Yeah. yeah. Whoa. Oh, my gosh. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I read in one interview that he, he said, I'll never tell anyone why her name is Clarissa. I'll take that to my grave. And then I heard another, in another interview he said, oh, I just, it was a, a name that sounded, it wasn't popular and it sounded like something that a young girl might hate, so. Or she, she may have an expectation put upon her with a name like that to be very, you know, nice. Classic oh, this is and the, nice. This yeah. is Lady Clarissa. Mm. You know, it's just, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I see what you mean. Maybe a little bit. Clarissa was a hit. Here was a girl that at first glance would fit into the basic stereotypes of a young teen girl. And then she subverted them almost instantly. At first, producers did not like Clarissa because they thought she was rude for doing things like speaking her mind and talking back to her parents. Craigman defended the show's portrayal of Clarissa, saying that producers would not have issues with these snarky comments or jokes if they came from a lead male. This is an issue that still carries on today, though shows like Clarissa Explains It All really helped show young girls that it's okay to speak your mind, but don't be disrespectful. Clarissa got in trouble in the show, just like any teen girl. Portraying a lead teen character that never gets grounded would be laughable. <laughs> so, of course, Clarissa messes up every once in a while. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's ridiculous. Those dang suits <laughs> at the top of Nickelodeon sand. This is, this is nonsense. Like, mm-hmm. what are you talking about? Exactly. Have you ever Normal. experienced real life? Like, <laughs> hello? Yeah, th- I think that I've heard complaints from parents before watching shows similar mm-hmm. to this saying oh this show is teaching kids to talk back to their parents and it's not really it's not really what the show is doing kids are already talking back to their parents yeah. they're yeah. just kind of showing an accurate portrayal of that yeah. <laughs> on tv it's it literally makes her more relatable mm-hmm. to all of those yeah. kids yeah yeah i mean 
I feel like as a kid, I always had really open, honest conversations with my parents the way she does. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't feel like she's incredibly disrespectful most of the time. I mean, she doesn't really cross that line in the show. Yeah. And like mm-hmm. you said, she'll, she gets in trouble for some of it. Mm-hmm. Like if she's being a little bit too much. Yeah. You know, she'll get grounded or whatever, right. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Craigman rounded out the cast of characters by creating Sam, Clarissa's neighbor and best friend who appears in her window at any given time. He also added Ferguson, Clarissa's annoying younger brother. In the same Vulture article that we referenced before, Craigman said, Clarissa was going to be this wildly creative person. It stood to reason that Ferguson was going to be this stick, a really rigid stick of a person who was extremely competitive. And that made the perfect sense from a character show point of view more than anything else. Ferguson had to be something utterly contrasting to her. I wanted that red-headed, obnoxious little kid. Gee, Mrs. Engelberger, that was the most enjoyable test I've ever taken. I just hope I didn't perform below my potential. See, I'm afraid I might be stupid. Stupid? Why, Ferguson, you scored the highest in the class. Not in the whole school, I mean, really? The highest? You know what he reminded me of is young Sheldon. Oh, really? And I'm like, I don't really care for young Sheldon because that's annoying. Yeah. <laughs> He's even anything yes. like that. Yes. He reminded me of Eddie Haskell from Leave it to Beaver. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That that was mm-hmm. kind of, even you know. More. Yes, even the hairstyle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he is. He's the, he's the kiss ass, right? Yeah. 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 So he's always kissing up to the parents, and Clarissa yep. has no problem saying, mm, this is bullshit. But <laughs> you'll watch the show, and Clarissa gets in trouble so much more than Ferguson does. Mm-hmm. Even though once the parents leave the room, he is also a little brat. Yeah. yeah. He's the worst. Yeah. I, he constantly has like comic books behind books he's supposed to be reading and things like that. And yeah. she calls him out on it. And... Listens at her door with the stethoscope. Purpose, yeah. Purposefully tricks her yeah. into doing something. She, you know, it's just awful. The whole yeah. time the audience <laughs> is like, catch him. <laughs> Get him in the act or something. All right. So. The iconic theme song for the show was created by Rachel Sweet, someone that Mitchell Kregman had worked with in the past. In fact, he had even worked on a parody show where Sweet would explain things. Sound familiar? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was only fitting that she collaborated with him again and gave him the intro to Clarissa. If you're unfamiliar with the catchy earworm, it consisted of a lot of na-na's with interjected way cool and all right, all right throughout. Very nice. It's been in my head all day. (laughs) Sweet said, I didn't want to do the typical sitcom theme song where it kind of tells a story or tries to convey what the show is about. I just wanted it to be something fun to listen to. Like ear candy. I had been recording for many years and was very into 60s pop and girl group stuff like the Shondells and Ronettes. It fits nice. It does, yeah. You can't imagine the show without it now. It's so poppy. But the theme song was more than its music. It had great visuals as well. It introduces each character without saying who they are, but the audience immediately gets the idea. If you're a 90s Nick fan... You might also notice the similarities between this opening and the opening of Doug. Both characters write on the screen in some capacity, and the other characters are introduced through action instead of words. 
Doug came out several months later in 1991, and Craigman worked on that show as well. Yeah. When I was rewatching this show, I noticed the Doug parallels while we were because I I watched both of them when I was a kid, and I never. I never made that connection before, but as an adult watching, I thought, this is a lot like Doug, where the characters kind of just come in and out of Mm -hmm. the title sequence, where you have the main character there most of the time, Mm -hmm. and except uh, the difference is that Doug is losing control of everything, and Clarissa (laughs) is consistently in control of everything. Regaining control each time, yeah. yeah. And so I, I, I think that, that obviously it's really cool that both illustrate their characters really well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they were both really visually well done. What I have to say is poor Doug. Yeah. You yeah. <laughs> I also, this opening sequence is what made me want to watch the show when I was a kid. I loved Aww. when she would write on the screen, she mm-hmm. would, you know, trace her name. I thought that was so cool. I saw it when the show was a little bit older, but it still was something that wasn't on TV. You know, the graphics like that were really... No. Yeah. And today we take a lot of graphics for granted. They're much simpler to create. Obviously, it still takes skill and a flair for design, but there are a lot more programs to help with this. But when they were filming Clarissa Explains It All, they had to hire a new graphics artist. His name was Don St. Mars. And he had to use a specific computer called the Quantel Paintbox, which at the time cost about 150000 And we'll post a uh, picture of yeah. it on the blog so yeah. you can see. It's this big... Unbelievable. You know, back in the day, like, had these two giant, you know, what monitors were. There's these big heavy yeah. boxes and then this big drawing pad. It's pretty complex stuff. Yeah. yeah. I was about to say it looks like an iPad, but much bigger. But yeah. huge, yeah. <laughs> Don St. Mars created these designs that appeared on screen as Clarissa talked and sometimes wrote. The designs had to appear as though Clarissa created them with her style, but also look a tad better than what she would actually create to keep the aesthetic of the show. That's hard to do. Yeah, it is. To replicate handwriting, but still make it look real nice Mm -hmm. and kind of fit. I used to say I was really happy that I was a photographer now versus (laughs) the past. Yes. (laughs) And I think it's the same thing for graphic artists. Mm -hmm. You know, you Mm -hmm. still need skill and talent. Mm The technical aspects are so much simpler now. (laughs) The tools are nice. Yeah. They're they're much easier than they used to be. You can put a sepia tone without actually putting it in chemicals. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah. So what made Clarissa Clarissa? What made her special? Well, one of those things was her fashion. How can we not talk about her fashion? She's got a passion. (laughs) For that fashion. For fashion. (laughs) Brett's. Not sponsored. (laughs) Yeah. One of the most unique things about this show is Clarissa's fashion. Her outfits never matched. They were always a cool conglomerate of patterns and textures. Mitchell Kregman even said that they could tell the show was popular because kids started to dress like Clarissa. Wow, that's pretty wacky. Yeah, it is cool. Yeah. (laughs) The two geniuses behind these looks were Lisa Letterer and Bruce Marshall. If Melissa Joan Hart was uncomfortable in anything, they would change it for her. 
Although not a fashionista herself, Melissa enjoyed the outfits overall, saying that they made her feel just like a kid. They chose outfits that were not too sexy or too tight. She didn't even have to really wear heels. She personally loved the combat boots. Yes. Very nice. I would too, man. And when we when we watched this, I kind of, it was something I noticed. She does wear a lot of crop tops, yes. is that what they're called? But the shirt is like real loose still. Yeah. So it's like doesn't even, it's totally a kid outfit, doesn't mm-hmm. matter. But even though you would think like if it were like, a, exposing more of a too teenager much skin, or like something a, yeah, yeah exactly. you'd be right. like, oh. but it totally didn't come across that way at all no melissa joan hart revealed in an interview with l magazine that she kept every single piece that she wore for the show and has it all in a theater closet in her basement <laughs> wow it's pretty awesome <laughs> i'd love that She's also very possessive of it because her sister tried on the blue combat boots with a Betsy Johnson top, and she told her she couldn't take it. Oh, no. Get (laughs) out of my closet. Yeah. Don't you be trying on my stuff. There were also episode plots centered on Clarissa's fashion and need to express herself. In one episode for school picture day, Clarissa argues with her parents about what she can wear. It turns out at the end of the episode, Clarissa has started a trend, and she's horrified to find that she came to school dressed like everyone else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She wants to deviate from the norm. She mm-hmm. wants to be different from everyone else. It's part of her whole thing, mm-hmm. yeah. is that she just wants to be different. And so then when she goes and everyone's dressed like her, she's <laughs> very so disheartened. Darn it. Yeah, and it's it's refreshing to to have it be the opposite of you know wanting to be like the popular kids or just wanting to fit in it's like mm-hmm. come on yeah, it's, she, not, it's yeah. not the way everybody is it's true she has absolutely no want mm-hmm. to be like anybody else yep. mm-hmm. and that's really cool because most of these teen shows that's a big plot line where, you know, oh, man, I can't afford these pants that yeah. everybody else gets to wear, you know. So-and-so, this other popular girl, oh, she comes to school with new, like, designer stuff all the time. Yeah. I can't have any of it. Yeah. It's like, like yeah. oh, I got to save up my money for this. Yeah. Got to do a right. job. Got to yeah. something. And Clarissa's like, let me rip my pants so I can sew them, sew this big polka dot patch on yeah. them. Yeah. Know? Amazing. I wish I could have done that as a kid. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Some of Clarissa's style choices and antics were inspired by Mitchell Kregman's days as an artist. Clarissa is a creative character, just like him. Yeah. That's super cool. Yeah, in the first episode, she wears a straight jacket. (laughs) And, yeah, and uh, I guess that was lifted right from his performance art. Oh, Oh, that's amazing. That's pretty great. And it's nice to know that, actually, because... No matter how much of a hodgepodge of colors she puts on her clothes, it still works. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, she can have all those ridiculous colored patches on the same pair of pants, but with just enough of an artist's eye, it's like, you know, it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. A special little Easter egg for everyone is that Melissa Joan Hart liked to wear a key lock on one of her shoes. And so they let her do that in the show, too. So if you look closely, there should be one in every episode on one of her shoes. Oh, shoot. Now i got to watch the whole show. Yeah. (laughs) Ah. Yeah. Hey. (laughs) Also, 
while you're watching the show, look for the color purple. Kregman arbitrarily eliminated the color purple from the set and clothing. Of course, he couldn't completely eliminate the color, and you can see it in patterns every once in a while. That is strange. Yeah, there were a couple reasons why. Yeah. I think one of them, he said, was because he wanted to have pink and blue a lot because they wanted to be, this is a show for girls and boys, pink and blue. Mm -hmm. And then I think the other one was because someone had told him to arbitrarily remove something. Yes. From the show. Huh. And yeah. So that way he could have control of the show. Yeah. It's it's a way to exercise your control. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. I know. So from now on, guys, we're not allowed to. <laughs> okay. Um... <laughs> no left socks. You guys can't wear oh left socks gosh. anymore. <laughs> While recording, <laughs> no left socks. So another thing that made Clarissa who she was, was her interest in video games. And we've said this before, and it's worth saying again. Video games are not just for boys. Duh. Yeah. But it was, and still is, a commonly held belief that video games are more of a guy thing. Mm -hmm. But shoot, don't come up against robbing a CTR and get schooled. Yeah. <laughs> Clarissa subverted the, that expectation once again by not only playing video games, but by coding her own games to play That's in the show. hecka impressive. Heck yeah. yeah, it's so cool. Tim Burns is responsible for the video games that Clarissa creates within the show. That is super cool. I would want to be friends with her if she did that. Yeah. <laughs> and that's that's the kind of thing that they were banking on. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they said, well, video games kind of appeal to boys right now. So, mm -hmm. you know, we'll have her play video games and create them, too. Mm -hmm. From my personal perspective, I guess, it's not even like, oh, yeah, I want to be friends with her because she's a girl that plays video games. And that's cool for me. No, no, no. If she makes video games, I want to work with her and be like, let's make mm -hmm. a killer app. <laughs> let's make the coolest game ever. That's that's what I want. Also, there were the relationships that she had with other characters, and these were kind of special. This, is, this was something yeah. that was a little bit different. So sibling rivalry was not just there in the show for plot reasons. It was actually deeply ingrained in the framework of the show. Craigman intentionally created siblings that were different in every way, and he wanted their fighting to be always present, a fact of life that never had to be explained. When Clarissa walked in the room and insulted her brother, and he gave a nasty reply, it felt like an authentic portrayal of the kid experience. Thanks, niche face. Anytime, Toad Turd. It's yeah. awesome. Yeah. It, yeah, they just they, they will casually walk right pa past each other and just say something awful. <laughs> and the other one will just be like, yeah, it, well, I hate you too. And then yeah. it's the end of the conversation. Yeah, and there's, no, no reason for it necessarily. Yeah, yeah. and there's yeah. no weird backstory. There's no episode where they're like, Clarissa used to love me. Yeah. And so and it, it is, it's so real. Yeah. And, you know, growing up with a lot of siblings and Marcy's had a lot of siblings. I don't know yeah. how often it happened in your house, Adam. Oh, plenty. Yeah. yeah. It's just, you know, just being arbitrarily angry at each other just be it's, it's because. the weirdest thing that just manifests out of thin air with siblings. It's just, yeah. It's like you're just around them too much and yeah. it just happens. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This was another groundbreaking part of the show, and it made sense because kids don't have fully developed emotions yet, and sometimes they really do feel like they hate each other. It makes sense. I think in the first episode of the show, she is very vocal about hating her brother, 
and is kind of trying to kill him. And obviously in her underdeveloped mind, she doesn't really want him to die. Like she doesn't, Mm -hmm. you know, but that's just something that, you know, could manifest if a kid is like. Yeah, it's I mean, we've all said it right. Just in anger, it's like they just did something really annoying. You're like, (laughs) God, I'm going to kill you. Mm -hmm. It's just, you know, Mm -hmm. obviously you're not going to actually like stab them or anything. (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah. No, no, not that. No, no, no. It's just anger, and it you know it passes, and then at the end of the day, it's like, well, it's my brother, or it's mm-hmm. my sister. Mm-hmm. Move on. Yeah. <laughs> One of the most groundbreaking parts of the show was the relationship between Sam and Clarissa. It's a common TV and movie trope that the boy and girl best friends will one day become romantically involved. I mean, it's yeah, it's everywhere. So many times. It's yeah. it it's crazy. But the relationship was totally innocent. Sam never even knocked. Clarissa always knew when he was coming up by the sound of his ladder hitting the window. It's, I, I, lo- I always love that part of the show. It was such an iconic way of him entering the scene. Yep. Yeah. You know, like she's sitting there, she's fussing about something, she's upset, and then you hear like the sound of the ladder, and she goes, hi, Sam, you know, and yeah. he, just cr- he just climbs up the uh, into her yep. window. Well, all of us, he's in this conversation. Yeah, now. exactly. You know, the window's open, so just expect him to be yeah. there. And it's such a convenient thing for his character and it, I guess it was because he came through the window because it would just be so much time. It would take too much oh, time yeah. out of the episode for him to have to come through the front door. And that's why in a lot of TV shows, they don't. most of the episode does not take place in a bedroom. It usually mm-hmm. takes place downstairs in the living room. So then characters can come in and out of the show. And mm-hmm. It makes a lot more sense that way. Mm-hmm. But for for this you know the major set piece and focal point of the show was clarissa's bedroom Mm -hmm. so you need sam to be coming in and out of the bedroom as often as possible and if her window is open you know he just he just takes it as okay it's fine for me to come over yeah Yeah. is is there ever a moment where her window is closed i don't in the show no yeah in the show no but i'm certain there are moments realistically yeah but yeah. it'd be funny if there was one episode where the window was closed. <laughs> like she was really upset or she was like sick or something. Yeah. And the window was closed. And then you like, rather than the window breaking, that might be a bit dramatic. Yeah. He puts the ladder up and it bounces off and just falls <laughs> back down. It's like, what? Yeah. There is one episode where Sam and Clarissa explore romantic feelings, but it ultimately ends with them realizing that they are just friends and it never comes up again. Easy peasy. There yeah. we go. Yeah. I, and it's and they needed to do it, and yes. I love that they they had they had mm-hmm. to do it mm-hmm. because everybody watching is is thinking it, waiting yes. for it, yeah. And so they have the episode, and it's not so much, you know, well, you're my friend and you're a girl, so we need to be together. It's not like that. Mm-hmm. It, it's just that they're kind of, you know, going through puberty, and you know, he starts to be attracted to her, and it's kind of like. That's just growing yeah. up. It's yeah. It's the next step. They, they yeah. just kind of yeah. feel it happen. It's yeah. like, well, we're already friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so then they, I think they kiss in the episode, and he was like, it was so gross. It was like kissing my sister. It was the grossest thing. And she was mm-hmm. like, yeah, I didn't enjoy it either. And they were like, cool. So yeah, uh, we're friends. That. And then that was yeah. And it wasn't awkward after that. No. And they were just yeah. like, well, we tried. Gave it yeah. a shot. Let's go kiss other people. That's now. the end of the yeah. end of that. Yeah. yeah, and I'll just continue to keep 
appearing in your window. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's fine. I'm sure my it's future girlfriend will be fine with it. Yeah. But, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> well. But they had a really groundbreaking, innocent relationship. It really just plat- uh, having a platonic boy-girl relationship in a show like this was such a big. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. And it's amazing. It's such simple little changes. Girl lead, non-romantic relationship with the mm-hmm. opposite sex. It's like these little things mm-hmm. made the show like above all these other shows. It's like simple changes made it so unique yeah. and mm-hmm. so different and just refreshing. Mwah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So today's shows contain a lot of diversity, but unfortunately this was not always the case in the early 90s. <gasps> I know. Shocking, uh, huh? Uh, uh. Clarissa, while being an amazing way to expand on the life of a female teenager, like we've talked about, does fall short in this aspect. Yeah. 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 It does. Absolutely. And I would say that there are still room to grow for shows today. Yeah. I would, I, I'd say a lot of them are improving. Yeah. But I would definitely say that they're... We're not there yet. But, no. But, yeah, this is a very... It's it, it's uh, a monochromatic show. Yeah. <laughs> That's, a uh, that's what I'm very mon- Yes, <laughs> that's a good, that's a nice way of putting yeah. it. <laughs> so, who it does star? Our main girl here, Melissa Joan Hart, as Clarissa Darling. Clarissa is, of course, the main star that explains her life to us. In the show Bible that Mitchell Kregman wrote for Clarissa Explains It All, he described the main character as the Ferris Bueller of girldom. Huh. That's nice. You know what? Yeah. Yeah. It works. It's perfect because Ferris Bueller was a character that I feel bo- both girls and boys related to, mm-hmm. even though he was male, and, and he was just so charming, and every yeah. just you just wanted to do what he did, you know, and it's just, yeah. I just hope that Clarissa didn't back a really expensive and nice Ferrari out of a window <laughs> that I'll never let go. <laughs> <laughs> Melissa Joan Hart was also auditioning for a character on Blossom at the same time she auditioned as Clarissa. She decided that Clarissa was the right character for her. But Craigman still had to choose between Melissa and another girl. Craigman later said that the other girl really had the coolness of Clarissa, but Melissa lit up the screen so much with her personality, he decided she was the one to go with. I mean... Yeah, you can look back and think about her career now and say, well, obviously you made the right call. Look at how yeah. popular mm-hmm. she is. Look at how well she did in all of her future stuff. She kills it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. She started with small parts and things like commercials and shows like Are You Afraid of the Dark? Clarissa Explains It All was her first starring role on TV. She's also well known now for her role as Sabrina the Teenage Witch and Melissa and Joey. Right. Uh, Tale of the Frozen Ghost, in case anybody was wondering. Oh, yes, nice. I want to go check it out. Yeah. Jason Zimbler played Ferguson Darling. Of course, Ferguson was Clarissa's annoying and tattletale little brother. Jason Zimbler started his own theater company in 2007 and has worked for HBO as a software designer since 2009. What? So he's done pretty well for himself. He He also went to Notre Dame as well. Graduated from there. 
He wow. uh, took some inspiration from Clarissa and became a software programmer. How cool is <laughs> yeah, that? Yeah, that is cool. After neat. his big sis. Yeah. yeah. yeah <laughs> that is cool. I wonder if we, if we were to say that to him and he'd be like, <laughs> no. Like, whatever. I did it of my own, <laughs> my own volition. Oh, my gosh. I was reading about their relationship on the set and how they their relationship on set was nothing like Mm-hmm. It was in the show. They got along mm-hmm. fine. Aww. But yeah, but also just that, you know, he was kind of learning from her because she was already kind of a, she'd been in stuff. Mm-hmm. And he was brand new. <laughs> had, oh, you know? wow. Yeah, yeah. That helps. Man. Yeah. Elizabeth Hess played Janet Darling. Janet is her loving mother who likes to cook healthy food and save the planet. <laughs> Elizabeth Hess has had small roles on other shows like All My Children and Law and Order. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Clarissa's parents are vaguely hippies. Yeah. 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 It's it's really interesting. They're like really well like well doing established yeah. hippies. <laughs> right? Like she, you know, she's wants to she's all all for environmentalism Mm -hmm. and then you know find out the dad had really long hair in the past and was Mm -hmm. very anti-establishment very much like clarissa is that's right they did pull out the yearbook joe o'connor played marshall darling marshall is of course her loving father who usually refers to her lovingly as sport he is an architect that designs strange buildings (laughs) for houses and companies Joe O'Connor has been on a lot of different things, including Friends, Melrose Place, and Blue Bloods. Wow, some yeah. top-tier ones there. Yeah, 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 for sure. Sean O'Neill played Sam Anders. Sam is, of course, Clarissa's best friend and was described by Craigman to be a tip-of-the-iceberg character. Everything he says has a backstory that doesn't get explored. Yeah, Notice that. Yeah, that's, yeah. Come in with little morsels of knowledge and yeah. Like, what? <laughs> there are characters like that in shows all the time, but I'd never heard of them referred to as that. Now you would say he's uh burying the lead, right? Sure, sure. <laughs> yeah. Sean O'Neill wasn't the first person chosen for Sam, as another actor played the character in the pilot episode. During his final audition, Craigman asked Sean to leave and come back with his hair messed up. Sean did as he was told, and when he returned to the audition, Craigman told him he got the part. Wow. Yeah. That is great. Sorry for that other guy, yeah. though. His hair <laughs> yeah. was pretty wild in yes, the beginning. It's crazy yeah. in all the first season episodes. Sean O'Neill has acted in a couple roles since the show, but is still most well-known for playing Sam. Yeah. So there were a lot of famous guest stars on this show, too. Ooh. Yeah, the show was pretty popular, so yeah. it it drew in a lot of guest stars. James Vanderbeek, who is known for Dawson's Creek, was what? on this show. And actually, that's really funny because in Dawson's Creek, they also climb into each other's windows. Yes. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. As a friendly, innocent thing in the beginning, and then that's not what happens yeah, later. that changes. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How can I hate you? I mean, <laughs> I don't even know you. What, are you a little geek or something? No. <laughs> we'll see. Wait, so you're not mad? I'm kind of flattered, actually. You are? No girl ever went through so much trouble just to impress me. Melissa Joan Hart's first on-screen kiss was James Vanderbeek, and she didn't want to kiss him. 
She said she was more into dark-haired skater dudes, like... <laughs> Get this. <laughs> like Polly Shore. Polly Shore! <laughs> And Johnny Depp. I get Johnny Depp. <laughs> yes, I totally get Johnny Reason Depp. Reason the juice. <laughs> oh my god, Polly Shore is amazing. <laughs> yes, I agree. They had given her headshots of boys and asked her who she would be okay kissing. And she remembers pointing to his and saying that she did not want to kiss him, but it ended up being him anyway. Yeah, she said it was pretty awkward because she knew the crew all knew she didn't want to kiss him. Oh, no. Yeah. And he's like, what's wrong with me? Yeah. <laughs> Poor guy. But she said, she said he, he said, oh, my girlfriend's not going to like this. And she was like, oh, my boyfriend won't either. Like, come on. Oh, man. Yeah, maybe that, there's a bit of rough. There's a rough patch for it right there. Oh boy! Oh my God! Just don't, just don't bring it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You're acting. It's yeah, fine. you're acting. Michelle Trachtenberg, known for Pete and Pete, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and Gossip Girl, also Harriet the Spy. Yeah, she's done so many things. Yeah, she did a lot of stuff. She was in the show as well. She guest stars as a young girl that can be a handful when Clarissa babysits, and this is before Pete and Pete. So yeah. she is even. So she's young. a little baby. Yeah. Aw, oh, come on. Got lots of fun stuff for you to play with. Power tools? No. Heavy machinery? Not exactly. Well, what then? Well, you'll never know if you don't come with me. Oh, I get it. Little psychology bit. Clever. Clever. Michelle Trachtenberg's always been a good actor. Oh, I'd, yeah. Always. I'm always blown away by her i even watched ice princess the other day which yeah. is the most pg early 2000s <laughs> movie and, like it is the most yes and, i haven't seen that in forever yeah and i was like you know what i still like this it's lame yeah. like it is but i like yeah. it you know yeah. i really enjoy this Megan Price was also a guest star she was on a lot of sitcoms like the rules of engagement she plays lisa welsh clarissa's cousin uh-huh. nice yeah. So, you know, some famous people on the show. Pretty neat. Yeah. I'd like to see a James Vanderbeek, uh, Melissa Joan Hart reunion. Yes. That'd be yeah. cute. <laughs> so some fun facts about the show. This is the parts of research that we didn't know where to put. So yeah. we have a little fun uh, fact so section. Right yes, that's yeah, right. So here we go. A lot of fans remember Elvis the Alligator, Clarissa's pet, but he didn't last past the first season because he was too boring to cut to. <sighs> Yeah, uh, so every once in a while they would say she would say something to the alligator, and then they would cut to him, and he's not really doing much, you know, because no. he's an alligator, little baby alligator. <laughs> so in the show, Clarissa says that he grew longer than his size in the catalog and had to go. Uh, I mean, I, I guess that's an okay excuse because <laughs> of course yeah. it would grow too big to keep. Mm-hmm. But like, come on, yeah, just get another baby one. <laughs> <laughs> Craigman has also said that he got the idea for the alligator from a college girlfriend who had a kiddie pool with turtles. Oh, huh. wow. Yeah. Huh. How weird, huh? Yeah. Strange. It's definitely something I would do. Yeah. <laughs> the series ended with Clarissa wanting to be a journalist, and there was a planned sequel series that would follow her on a news internship. Wow. Ooh. Yeah, I actually would really like to see that, honestly. Yeah. I mean, she's obviously an adult now, and mm-hmm. we can't, but... It's yeah, kind of I want to see how she would handle it. Yeah. yeah. 
1994, Melissa Joan Hart recorded an introduction for a recording of Peter and the Wolf done by the Boston Symphony Orchestra. She did this she did this intro as Clarissa Darling. Wow, yeah. that's an interesting yeah. little cameo piece. Yeah. Yeah. Peter and the Wolf by Sergei Prokofiev, in case anybody was wondering. Yes. <laughs> The show also had some incredible writing talent, including Suzanne Collins, who would write the Hunger Games trilogy. Oh, nice. And she was a writer on this show. That's cool. Yeah. They said she was the quietest, sweetest. Aw. And then she wrote the Hunger Games. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Then she wrote, yeah. That's when you know what uh, she's really thinking. Dystopian, yeah. Some of the other writers worked on such shows as Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Friends, Daria, The Simpsons, Roseanne, Malcolm in the Middle, and many more. Wow, that is cool. So I mean, nice. it kind of gives you an idea of why the show was so good. Yeah. You definitely, I pulled mm-hmm. out a couple, like Daria and Buffy, you know, both of those are things that I could see, you know, from so, I, the similarities. similarities. Yeah. 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 And definitely, definitely Daria. Oh, yeah. yeah. The, the sarcasm, the combat boots. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But as Melissa Joan Hart got older and the show naturally ended, right? Although there was a possibility of doing a continuation titled Clarissa Now, it never came to be. I think that was the journalism yes. one. Aha. Uh-huh. The creator, Mitchell Craigman, wanted to continue Clarissa's story into the teen years. However, Nickelodeon did not agree with everything Craigman wanted for the show. He was surprised to find that they hired a new writer and took out most of what he wanted in the show. That's a shame. Yeah. Yeah. Could have been cool, man. Mm -hmm. Nickelodeon's reasoning was that the audience supposedly did not like talking to the camera and fantasies. What? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. What are you talking about? It caused Mitchell Craigman to ask, What did you buy? Why did you do this? Yeah. It's yep. a good question. I mean, true. Yeah. Why did they buy it if that's not yeah. what they wanted? Like, yeah. I mean, you're you're getting rid of the creator. Yeah. Like, what, what are you doing? Seriously. In 2015, the creator wrote a novel called Things I Can't Explain that continued Clarissa's story as a young adult in her 20s trying to figure out life. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty great. At least he got the story out there. In 2018, it was revealed that Nickelodeon was in talks with both Mitchell Kregman and Melissa Joan Hart for a Clarissa reboot. The early reports said that Clarissa would be the mother of the family, much like Topanga and Corey were in the Disney sequel Girl Meets World from 2014. Yeah, that's interesting. It'd be interesting to see her in that role. That yeah. would be strange, and I wonder how much it would be about her. Yeah. Especially, I mean, if it was on Nickelodeon, you'd think they'd focus on the kids again. Yeah, I would think mm-hmm. it would be more of a kids thing. I mean, because Girl Meets World was more more. Right, kids. that's true. Mm-hmm. That's true. When asked about Clarissa being rebooted, Melissa Joan Hart said, I like the way we left Sabrina. I think Sabrina ended on a really great note, and I don't think you want to go back and explore that. At the same time, I think Clarissa ended on a note that could be explored again because it didn't really have an ending. It sort of ended. That happens with a lot of Nickelodeon shows, Mm -hmm. especially the live action ones. Yeah, just kind of... They just stop. Gone. In 2019, Melissa Joan Hart revealed to Us Weekly that the production of the reboot has stalled. She was not able to give any details, but instead said... 
that it was up to the writers, producers, and network. All right. And yeah. can we ever trust Nickelodeon to do cool stuff anymore? <laughs> no. Mm, not really. We can't, unfortunately. <laughs> no. Oh, boy. <sighs> I think they're, I think Nickelodeon might be, you know, at some point turning back the way they were. Maybe. Yeah. yeah you know. We can hope. If can they, hope. you know, they have a YouTube channel called Nick Animation, I think is what it's called, where they will post... Like, kind of like kablamish stuff. Like it's just a little yeah. short animation of whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm like, where's that show? Yeah. You know, they, these are great pieces that they they just don't continue with. Yeah. I'm like, you've you've got the content where you know invest in it. Yeah. I think yeah. you might see some good stuff. It's a lot harder now. Back then, they were still kind of new, and they didn't have anything. To lose. Mm-hmm. They'd been around since around 1980. But at this point, the first 11 years or so, they weren't very successful. They, you know? True. And so when they started doing things like this, they became incredibly successful. And I think they rode that success for a while. And then they got a little too comfortable. And then they started to just, you know, skate on SpongeBob. Mm-hmm. But Absolutely. I, I think that hopefully, you know, hopefully things are turning back around a little bit with them. In a lot of ways, Clarissa Explains It All was a game changer. It spoke to young girls in a way that no other kids show had before. Of course, shows like Blossom did a lot for young female representation. But this show broke so many molds, even just within the sitcom format. Clarissa Explains It All was a trailblazer. It's a show that's made a lasting mark on American pop culture, whether we realize it or not. And if you watch the show, you don't need anyone to explain why. That's right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this was a great show. I really enjoyed the, I don't know, the feeling of it. And I like mm-hmm. rewatching it now because it just feels so quintessentially 90s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's, it's just, it's, I don't know, it's really authentic yeah. feeling. And I love her punk Ness. Mm-hmm. I love the the yes. punk, you know, kind of the way she dresses and the attitude, and I I just I think when I was a kid, my favorite episodes were like the understudy episode where she she becomes the understudy in the play, and then she just doesn't read any of the lines. Yeah. And I love how honest Sam is with her the whole episode. Sam keeps yeah. popping back in. He goes, "Hey, you really need to read. You really need to read yeah. the script." Yeah. And Just when at least once. Yeah. And when the main actress falls ill and she has to take over, Sam says, "Man, I'm, I feel like it really would have been good if you just." cracked that script open maybe one time <laughs> and I, I just I, I yeah especially because her brother is able to trick her into learning the lines for a completely other show yeah for a different play yeah and i i don't know it, it's such a a friend thing to say maybe cracking the script open once would have been a good idea sam i have less than a day to learn all of maybell's lines and an entire operetta don't panic you'll be fine on the other hand, you could crumble down like the Berlin Wall. In in that same episode, in order to try to learn them quickly, she does that like sleep therapy thing. <laughs> yeah. Where she just listens to the lines, and then the next day, she's, you know, she's memorized these lines from a million and one plays, and now she's got them all jumbled up because she's like, oh, I could learn all of these plays just by sleeping. 
how long was that evening? How, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> how many times did she wake up to switch the tape to a different, like, I, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. But that's <laughs> did she okay. record her own voice or was that all? I don't know. I, don't, I didn't even I, get that. I can at least think of one episode of Boy Meets World mm-hmm. where he listens to something on tape while he's asleep yeah. and it mm-hmm. becomes like a, a thing. It's like a therapy, you know, it's like a therapeutic yeah. thing. Yeah. It, and it happened in this show, too. And I really believed that you could just yeah. listen to something while you were Memorize Yeah. And, and then just, I learned that is not the case. I tried it. It's not true. Yeah. yeah. As much as we wish it was. Yeah, it's not. It's not true. I did try. I, I yeah. would record myself doing. I, I, I have old study tapes. Yeah. And I would put them in. And it. Nope. Oh, man. I already love sleep so much. This would make it so much better. That'd be nice. <laughs> yeah, you just yeah. learn while it's you're like, sleeping without even like. It's like the Matrix. <laughs> man, you just download so knowledge. Cool. Yeah, download knowledge. It'd be great. Oh man, yeah. Oh, but right. I think you're right. It's it's this very '90s thing, but it's not exaggerated '90s because there's a lot of exaggerated '90s nostalgia out there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But this is very authentic, like you said, and it just makes it fun to go back to even if you're not really in 90s mm-hmm. kid like us it's yeah. still yeah it's yeah still worthwhile. i wish i had been able to watch it when i was a kid mm-hmm. i think i really would have liked it and related to yeah. it and <sighs> there's an episode where the popcorn maker explodes and, and there's popcorn oh. everywhere and, and it's just like visuals like that that i will remember forever mm-hmm. i i always really liked ferguson even mm-hmm. though he was you know worse. yeah <laughs> he's a little shit for sure but oh yeah <laughs> I, I definitely, you know, no, I don't know. Like, I understood it. it. It was a show where you could have characters that were rivals that like that, but you didn't necessarily hate either one of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's just that sibling rivalry is just yeah. a fact of life. And, and and you didn't need a resolution. Right. After yeah. all of it. Like, their arguments over seasons have built up, and finally it's going to culminate in a fight. And it's like, yeah. no, it's not. Nope. Yeah. And you can see how later shows kind of, I wouldn't say that they directly pulled from this, but mm-hmm. you could see similarities. Like Lizzie McGuire, yeah. you know, she's got mm-hmm. the little brother Matt and he's constantly, you know, playing tricks on her and they have fights all the time and that kind of thing. But it's not as raw. This one is mm-hmm. a little more raw. Mm-hmm. And also in Lizzie McGuire, you know, they fall for the other tropes. So, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I think this is another case closed. Woo! All right. Alrighty. So, thank you guys so much for listening. We always appreciate it. Be sure to tune in to our next few episodes for our Snicktember. That's right. Ooh, ooh, ooh. we got uh. some more coming for you. So please check those out. You can find us, as always, at blackcasediaries.com. You can find our Patreon there. You can find our Instagram, our twitter just everything everything. any merchandise Mm -hmm. right from right from there so please just go check that out and maybe if you have time go to go to apple and give us a little review on itunes we would really appreciate that just yeah you know some stars and if you feel like it some words too tell us tell us how you feel about us (laughs) (laughs) and uh yeah goodbye bye see ya Clarissa explains it all every Saturday at 8, 7 central on SNCC.